Hi, this is Wayne Gardner, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are back for another contestant interview. I'm very, very excited for our episode today. Plenty to talk to this guest about and uh, maybe one of the, the randomest interviews this guy has ever done because I can imagine this is a topic that often isn't requested of him to talk about when it comes to interviews. I'm going to introduce him properly in just a moment. I'll first of all say my name is Ben and I'm going to hand it over to my colleague here and just I want to add that I for one am not a motorbike rider. Let's just start off right now this interview with me saying that. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, you're right. This is such a great big interview going to be happening today. You said when we when we looked at the cast of this season, you said that this is was the biggest celebrity on this season. You picked it. So, you know, normally I often do the introductions. You're a bit of a more of a, a sort of a motorcycle and, and, and Formula One sort of guy than I am. So I think it would only do justice, Ben, if, if you do the introduction here, because I, I don't want to get this wrong because like you said he's he's a big celebrity well i I gotta say that this is going to be one of two australian survivor contestants we will ever speak to on the show who's had a movie made about him so that's like starting off right now with the uh the big guns here this is a guy who won the very first 500 cc world championship by an australian he's a member of the australian sports hall of fame he's had a straight on a grand prix circuit named after him he's classified as a moto gp legend this guy racing a hundred grand prix won 18 of them went on to do touring cars raced against the likes of peter brock did bathurst did all these great great things and yet here we are to talk about his time on a little reality show 15 years ago. We speak, of course, of the one, the only, Mr. Wayne Gardner. Wayne, first of all, it is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Oh, good morning, uh, Ben and Matthew. How are you guys? We, good we to be are here. Great. They, uh, certainly a very strange request. Um, <laughs> you know, after I walked off that show, the Survivor show, many years ago, 15 years ago, um, Never really gave it another second thought until uh, you guys contacted me. So, but it's a pleasure to be here. So, how can I help you? And got some good questions, I'm sure. I hope it's so. been a long, it's, <laughs> it's been a long time coming, hasn't it, Wayne? I think I think I got in touch with you maybe almost a year ago when we first started having the idea of of, of doing this podcast and, and covering your season of Survivor and got in touch with you. I, I didn't know whether you were going to message me back or anything. I thought, oh, you've probably got a million other things to do, but. One thing we find about Survivor is it's something that a lot of people like talking about because it really is a unique experience. It's a it's a game that very few ever get to play. And you were lucky enough to play it all those years ago in 2006 when, of course, Channel 7 had the celebrity version. So, Wayne, like, we would love to hear, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear, like, how did the whole experience come about? How did you end up on Australian Celebrity Survivor? 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, um, I was a big fan of of uh, Survivor, and um, yeah, I watched the the American series, and then of course, uh, never missed it. I thought it was really intriguing, and I liked the style of you know, basically army games, you know, and training to to make TV, and I thought it was a a really good sort of you know well put together product. And um, it always intrigued me, and and I used to keep thinking, was it real? Did they really not eat for that long? And did they really have to go and, you know, dig up witchetty grubs or, 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 you know, eat animals or leaves or whatever and plants? And so uh, I always thought it was uh, behind the scenes they were feeding you, but it's not true. Um, because when the opportunity came along, when Channel 7, um, I offered up the, you know, the opportunity to, to do a celebrity uh, survivor, I jumped at it because I thought it'd be good fun. And um, luckily, as though I was living, uh, well, I was living in Manly at the time, and luckily um, Guy Leach lived there, and he also got invited as well. So we were mates. So we both went in there holding each other's hands. So we we had a pact that we worked together and to try and win this show, you know, or this uh, series. Ben, this so this could be the first pre-alliance of celebrity version. Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, we're going to ask you about that because, I mean, you guys obviously were great mates out there, had a great alliance, and we wanted to kind of find out if this was just a natural connection you guys had when you hit the beach. But, I mean, what did you guys go, like, surfing together? Did you go swimming? Did, did Leachy train you on the beach with some Iron Man tactics? I mean, was that kind of the your bond beforehand? Well, at the time I was uh, motor racing. I was still racing cars at the time, so... I didn't have a lot of time, but Leachy's super fit, you know, so for him to go and do this uh, series, particularly all the, um, the the games and the the athletic side of it, I oh, mean, he was he was a weapon. He, you know, he was unstoppable. So I knew that, you know, my brains, his brawn, it was going to be a good pairing. So we had an alliance before we even depart- departed Manly, you know, so we were going to, you know, look after each other and, um, you know, work, work together. So... But we ran into a whole lot of other obstacles. We never thought that would happen, and um, and then we got separated, and so uh, certainly spun us into a you know a spin at some at, at some times. Did you know beforehand, before the game started, that you guys would actually be on the same tribe? That it was going to be virtually a, a, a males versus females, or was that not until the game actually started that you were lucky enough to actually be teamed up with him? No, we didn't know anything what it will be, but we were looking after, you know, each other, you know, um, and we'd have a little secret talks all the time, you know, what about this, what about that? Um, but when we first joined up, we went out on a big yacht and we were, you know, on an old old catch-style yacht and uh, then we anchored off just off the shore and um, in New Mia, wasn't it? So, uh, so we didn't know what was going to happen. It was all a great surprise. Next minute, all these... Um, these uh, the locals and, uh, came out in their canoes, rowing out to us, and we had to get in their little canoe things and get ferried into the island. So uh, that came as a great surprise, and and we had no information of what was going to happen. All they did was said, well, they were given a champagne on the on the yacht before we got off and feeding us up, and said, and all of a sudden the dynamics changed. They said, hey, here comes your transport, and then mm-hmm. you can't take anything with you. You can take like one item, and I think it was like a towel or whatever you decided to take, and um, or one piece of jewelry or something like that. And uh, um, you have to get in the boat, leave everything behind. We went, wow, this is getting a bit serious. And then we ferried onto these little canoes and um, like tribal type canoes, 
and they ferried us into the beach and they, we were in the middle of nowhere and we looked up over the escarpment and there was not a house or person to be seen. So uh, it, it was a, bit, a, little bit, a little bit daunting, to be honest. We get off there and they said goodbye. And well, and they just paddled <laughs> off with it. And we went, well, what do we do? We all looked at each other and said, well, what's the plan? Uh, I was working, we were put off in boys and girl groups separate uh, to start with. And of course, uh, then, the, then the game started, you know, and then we realized that we had to build a hut or some shelter and uh, everyone just looked around and went, who's going to do it? And I said, well, everyone was looking at me. And, and I guess because of maybe I was probably one of the oldest there and had some experience. And then I start looking around then for a tree and then kind of, it kind of evolved into leaders of the team from there. You know what I mean? So then we started collecting uh, palm fronds and uh, looking around, trying to understand what to do. It was a, it was a very surreal feeling because when you just, you, when your boat just disappears and they leave you nothing uh, and you've got a, you've got no food to eat. Um, I think we had a knife. They gave us one machete between all of us and we had to share that. I think they gave us um, some fishing line, uh, a reel of fishing line, and it was very, very, very basic stuff. So, and then it was quite late in the afternoon, and we really had to start working hard to try and work out what, where to go, and what to do, and to get some shelter out of our heads. So that's where the, the team, companionship started working. And same, someone, someone had to call the shots. And between myself and I think uh, forgetting one of the other the politician um, David Oldfield. David Oldfield. Yeah. I think we then started kind of getting our act together, and uh, they they we started collecting fronds and coconuts and bra da 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 da. So that's where the game began. I'd love to find out. I, I know Guy has spoken out and said that he often got requests to appear on celebrity reality shows at the time, and he always said, like, I would only ever do Survivor because he was a fan. Had, had you been offered, like, we had skating shows back then, dancing shows, singing shows. Had you been offered, you know, appearances on another celebrity show? And if so, did you hold out for an opportunity like Survivor? Uh, well, I didn't know Celebrity Survivor was going to come along, but, um, you know, certainly dancing shows wasn't something that <laughs> I'm very good at. Um, and and some of these love affair ones, and they're certainly not my style. So, you know, I just went for something that's fun. And uh, I seen, and as I said, I was a fan of watching Survivor and uh, I thought it'd be really cool. And then I used to, as I said, I used to keep thinking, is this real? Mm. But uh, when we got there, I soon learned that it was, you know, so it was a... It was a, a pretty daunting experience. Two quick things before we get back into the game. We're asking everybody these questions. Uh, one of them, obviously, we understand if you don't want to answer it, Wayne, but we, we realise you were all given an appearance fee for appearing on the show because you're not playing for money, you're playing for, for charity. Do you remember how much you were given? Because it seems everyone's been offered different amounts of money, so it's kind of it's interesting mm -hmm. to find out this. That's a very good question. Um, I know that it wasn't too much, so, yes, I did get offered and I did take a fee, but it wasn't a lot of money. Um the amount I couldn't tell you off the top of my head now. I mean, that was a long time ago. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I don't remember. But I just wanted to do it just for the game and for the fun and uh, thought it'd be pretty cool spending, you know, two two weeks or four weeks or six weeks, whatever it takes up there. Uh, all my family was at home, um, uh, my wife then and my two sons, and they were down on my farm and, uh, and obviously communication was cut off. So, they were just wondering how's it all going, you know? So it was, it was very quiet for them. The other one I'd love to find out, um, each 
contestant got a, a luxury item, sort of a personal item that meant a lot to them that they wanted to take out. There, Elton, of course, took a football. Amber's taken mascara. Fiona's taken tarot cards. I mean, do you remember what your item was that you took out there? Mm, I wanted to take my mobile phone, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, geez, no, there were certain things and restrictions on that. Uh, no, I can't tell you what I took. Um, I think it might have been a towel or something that I thought that I could use at night, use as, make it into a pillow. Um, I just wore shorts and T-shirt. Um, and, uh, no, I think I tried to find something that was useful that you could use in many roles, you know. Um, I, I'm sure it was uh, something like a towel, you know, uh, a big towel it's, that I could use for comfort more than anything else. It's funny because when we interviewed Kim Johnson, who, of course, was the first boot, um, she said her, her luxury item was a, a thousand thread Egyptian cotton sheet um, and that she, she was hoping to rug herself up at night and then it, her tribe started using it as, a, as basically a tarp on the ground so she didn't even get to use it properly. But yeah. a story she told, she said when they were on the way over there on the plane, um, she ended up having a, a, was having a chat to you and she, she was told that um, it was basically going to be a bit of a soft survivor that they were going to be given tents and water and all that. Mm. And, and you looked at her and said, Kim, th this is going to be a, a real survivor. And she's like, no, no, no. Like they've, I've been told there's going to be, you know, we're going to get all the luxury stuff. And, mm. and of course, when she got there that um, she realized that you were right, that it was actually a, a proper survivor. Like, had you been told any much leading into it, like that there was going to be any difference or did they, did they tell you this is going to be a real survivor? Uh, no, they, they did made a, make it very clear from the beginning that it was going to be real. And I kept thinking that they're going to fudge it. However, we were supplied um, with water, bottles mm. of water, mm. because the water they thought might have been contaminated, the natural water stream. Um, but apart from that, uh, they walked us around and said, you can eat this and you can't eat that and don't eat these berries because you'll be taken to hospital. Um, we had a, obviously a film crew walking around us all the time which was only a big skeleton crew. Um, we had a doctor on site in case something happened. Hmm. Um, for example, eating something. In fact, it did for me. Um, I had to use it in the first couple of nights. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was very scarce. Oh, the other thing was that they, uh, the toilets, they had a, uh, I didn't know how that would work, but I thought it was like, shit in the bear uh, shit in the forest like a bear you know that's what i thought they were gonna <laughs> do but um they told us that there was a porter cabin hmm. uh over there but the, the funny thing was one night i've been i've been eating all those um uh it's called uh jungle spinach and we'd been mixing it up and cooking it in salt water so it impregnates the salt into it to give it some taste and um so we're eating coconuts in the day because leachy couldn't catch any fish uh, he was useless at it. He says, I'll get the fish, I'll get the fish, and no fish turned up. So we just <laughs> lived on um, some the basic fruits and coconuts um, and coconut milk and this spinach, you know, this jungle spinach. And they pointed us out to it that if you boil it up, you can eat it. So we're eating this day after day after day, and I start shitting like a big black Alsatian, you know. So um, it goes through you. And uh, <laughs> and one night I woke up with this after about 10 days or something because I hadn't been in the toilet for, you know, for quite long periods. And then I woke up with this huge stomach ache and I went, oh, my God, I've got to run to the toilet. And I ran to the toilet and this is like at four o'clock in the morning. 
and there's a, one of the girls are inside there. I don't know what she's doing. She's inside there, and I'm going, I'm banging on the I need to go, I need to go. Go away, go away. I said, oh, I'm desperate. Please, please, please. And, uh, and they're going, go away, go away. And uh, obviously, t- typical girls, they took about an hour in there, and I couldn't wait any longer. So I hung my ass over a, over a tree that fell over and, and had wow. the biggest, biggest um, uh, let me see, green, green shit uh, <laughs> in my life. And I went, oh, my God, where did that come from? I thought the local cows had come by and shit everywhere. So I went, but you know what? It feels so, so good. Wow. Well, ben, I think, I think this is going to lead into a question. Yeah, I think there's a follow-up. Where have you been? I said, I've been, <laughs> I've been running around in the bush trying to find somewhere to have a shit. And I said, but I feel so good because <laughs> two weeks of it have come out in one go. And then the next, and then and then we're riding that day. Um, they were all laughing at me because I was a fool. And then we got into the, we had to go to one of the games, and we had to get in a, a rubber ducky, and we were going across to another island. And and the girls are looking at us. They said, "Wow, what had happened to you?" And I'm going, "What happened?" And they're going, "Your eyes are so blue now." Like, and I said, well, <laughs> "I had a great big dump last morning. I was when I over a tree." <laughs> wow. So, wow. yeah, it was very relieving, may I say. Sorry Which, to go on about that. No, but no. It was, well, it's, it's, it's a very it's, memorable moment, may I it's say. It's really interesting you bring that up, Wayne, because we, we we have to follow up with another question. When we had David Mason on, he told us a story. He wouldn't tell us who. But there was a contestant who, once they were voted out, they obviously went back to a hotel room, were hanging out with Dicko, and they basically went to Dicko's toilet and did a massive shit, and it was a massive green long thing, and then left, and left it in Dicko's toilet. So I don't know if maybe you, after you would relieve yourself that time, that was you uh, that maybe went into Dicko's room and left a giant turd to, you know, continue on with this path? Do you know uh, anything about no, that? No, it wasn't, it wasn't me because I left it. I left it. was like a cow paddy, you know. In the, <laughs> it was in the uh, jungle, not in Dicko's <laughs> room. Long thing. It was all over the place. It was like a spray painting job, you know. So it, it, It's funny. Anyway. What, what, what you described, Wayne, is exactly what David Mason described, which was in Dicko's toilet. So it sounds oh. like one of maybe maybe whoever Leachy was or, eating the, the yeah. jungle spinach. They, oh, yeah. I think it might have been Leachy. Really well, that's Matt's money. My money's on Justin Melvy. Yeah, so it was probably Leachy more than likely. You talk about the food, um, David Oldfield. He really seemed to step up and be in his in, in his element with with the cooking of the food. And I know later on at the merge and what episode three, there was a tribe swap, and he went over to Moso, but. Was that what was so good about David Oldfield? He just seemed to really be in his element and, and especially like cooking up meals for everyone. Um, yeah, well, David's kind of, he must be a bit of a chef at home. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a bunch of guys and who's going to be the cook? Well, of course, David was, you know, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> David's the one that wears the dress around the team. You know? so, um, he said he's a bit um, of a metrosexual. So yeah. he said that. <laughs> huh? He, he did say on the show that he was a, a, a bit of metrosexual. Oh, metrosexual, yeah. A bisexual then. I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I never noticed. So, oh. not, But, um, no, he uh, he stepped into that role pretty good. He had a bit of a chef style of hand on the whole thing. So, But, yeah, he was great. Um, he was, uh, you know, a typical politician. He was always looking, working around the angles all the time. But, uh um, no, he, I, I didn't have a problem with any of the guys. They're all really great, you know, so they were good. Had you um, met 
Elton Flatley before? Was he somebody that you had come across paths with before? Or was that the first time you met him when you were out there on Mosley? My first time, yeah, yeah. That's no, right. everyone was really good in their own different ways, you know. I mean, we're all different personalities, and uh, and I'm sure they said the same. But there was never any problems, um, as I said, with the with the men. Yeah, that was all good. I just I'll just correct myself. I should say Kakula, Matt. I feel like you were going to jump down. I I meant Kakula <laughs> to to open that with when when Gabby shows up. Now um, we know you had some interesting moments with with Gabby, but uh, I think you described yeah. her when you saw her coming on the boat. I believe you described her as a model bimbo. Um, <laughs> your thoughts on Gabby and like when she first comes on the beach, are you, you trying to kind of talk to her and like, what was your reaction when she starts living out there with you? Uh, well, when the, they swapped the teams around and, and the girls came and joined uh, Leachy and myself, uh, we had like a harem, you know? So it was, uh, and the first time I met uh, Gabby, Gabby was, uh, she was laying on the beach, uh, like in the water lapping on her, like, um, like a model, you know, and uh, everyone was sort of gorgling at it, including myself. And I went, wow, this is going to be fun. You know, beautiful looking girls around. But uh, she didn't say much. She just laid in the sun for most of the day in the beginning. And then, of course, the other girls were great and started sitting around talking about how, what we're going to do and trying to work out what, who our, what our roles are in the team and where our strengths and weaknesses are and and um and she never joined us she and then we decided to go and get uh you know firewood and coconuts and things like that and uh we asked her would she join us uh help us and but she didn't want to move her ass at all she just wanted to lay in the sand on the beach so uh everyone including me i was extremely upset by that because i was kind of leaving them all to get organized you know now that we swapped teams and uh, they put Leachy and myself with the women. Uh, and so I was just asking for help, you know, so we can, you know, fire wood and keep warm at night, um, et cetera, et cetera. But she did nothing. She just wanted to lay on the beach and said, no, I'm not doing that. I said, come and join us, please, and help us. No, not, not doing that. So, you know, she was a lazy cow, if you ask me. So that wasn't, uh, wasn't a good start in my eyes uh, when everyone was – pitching in and doing their thing to survive. You know, that's what it's about. It was an interesting first episode because only nine people started, only nine contestants started on the yacht. Of course, um, later on that day, that was when Justin Melvey went over, he turned up in the show over in the, uh, into the female tribe. So he was the only male on that tribe. Of course, we just discussed Gabby came onto your, your team um, mm. as the only female, but then, in the in the later into the um was it the immunity challenge um or reward challenge that ben ben win turned up in the show do you know what the story was behind ben win because obviously he wasn't a celebrity um he didn't start the game he 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 was a, a jungle survival expert s x as uh, uh, member he ended up you guys won the pig challenge win ben win um ultimately he was voted out the next episode anyway but do, do you know much about Ben Wynn and what he was actually doing on the show? No, no. Um, that came as a surprise. I didn't understand it, but that's what the show was about, throwing all different different things at you to confuse you. You know, that's what the, the producers are trying to do is disorientate you, not get comfortable, always look hungry. They're looking for um, – they're trying to annoy you all the time so that you start lashing out at other members and even the crews, um, the TV crew or – you know, or, you know, they'd always pick up on things like, oh, I go, geez, I'd love a cold beer. And then the next minute in one of the, one of the 
the competitions, there was beer for offer. You know what I mean? So they <laughs> they pick on the different things up what's happening and what come the words that come out of our mouth. So um, having him there, and I didn't understand what it was about, but again, it was all put in place to spin you around in circles and get dizzy. On the show, it showed him, you know, being a survival expert, he, he took you out in the bush, especially you. It seemed that you and him would go out and he was showing you what you can use to eat and all that. Yeah. Ben, ben, of course, he, he reckons that that was all fake, that Ben Wynn didn't know what he was doing. Did Ben Wynn know what he was doing? Was he a survival expert? And did he actually help you guys out to know what you can eat? Or, or was, it, was that a, just a bit more for show? I think it was more of a show because I didn't learn too much from him as well. You know, um, we got we got briefed prior to the show about, as I said yeah. to you, about what what to eat and what not to eat. Um, but yeah, he came along, but he gave us nothing. You know what I mean? I was a little surprised, and I was a bit. I remember I was a bit wary of what was he meant to be doing on the show. I didn't get it. You know, so. But again, they they tried to do that to confuse you on and, and what's it about. So, so was there any pressure from production or anyone to, to vote him out as soon as you could? Because obviously Gabby stayed when you guys lost the first, you know, the immunity challenge in the second episode. Ben Wynn goes, but was there a reason why you guys didn't keep Ben Wynn? Obviously he's a big guy. He, he would have been helpful in challenges where Gabby, who didn't seem like you were getting along with, stayed. Um, so I, like that's what we're not quite sure. Was there, was there a bit of pressure seeing he wasn't a celebrity to maybe, hey, guys, let's get this guy out of here. He was just, you know, for one episode and get him out? Well, he didn't, to be honest, he didn't really fit in. Um, and I think everyone was a bit confused. So I think personally, I think that, you know, the the producers throw that stuff in there to, you know, to bedazzle you, you know. and um, But, yeah, next minute he's 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 got turfed out. But he didn't bring anything to a value. To, to the group. I think that's probably more than anything. And I didn't, I didn't understand why he was even there. And next minute he disappears. So <laughs> yeah, I, I was confused. You know, 15 so. years later, we're also still very confused. He's also mm. disappeared. I, we, we cannot find mm. the guy. And mm. it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's it's the great mystery of your season is who he's been. When even David Mason couldn't give us an answer of who this guy is. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to kind of hear that because you're the first Kakula member we've talked to and been able to chat about Ben. And he's Matt hoping that you've got this great enigma story. This guy's brilliant. And, yeah, no, I, I, I like no, hearing no, that he did nothing. Confused. Yeah, yeah. No, I was confused about the whole thing. Um, Did you guys ever realise that I actually got – I went out of the show temporarily. We did not. No, this sounds like a fun story, though, Wayne. Yes. Um, uh, on about the second or third night on there, we were wandering around still because we didn't collect um, enough wood, uh, firewood, and everyone was putting in. Uh, I was walking around in the nighttime trying to collect more firewood because we didn't have enough. And it's obviously pitch black. And I walked into a tree and a stick in my eye and it poked me in the eye severely. Wow. And uh, I went and laid down. And think, I think I was, it was with the girls at that point. And, um, and my eye was really killing me, you know, and there is a doctor on call uh, behind the scenes. And uh, I had to get up in the night because I couldn't sleep and my eye was throbbing. And basically, I walked into a tree with a stick sticking out, hard stick, and it poked me straight in the eye. And uh, I was in agony and big pain. And, of course, you don't have any medicines or anything like that. They gave me a couple of headache tablets, hoping it'd get better. But I had a night of hell. Um, and I, if I remember, that night it was raining a lot too. It was pissing down rain. 
and we were laying on all the you know the, the stones and the wet sand anyway uh come early in the morning the doctor said well let's see how it is in the morning and uh i couldn't see out of it they had to put a cover over my eye and they said oh we've got to take you out of the show and i said okay i said look i'll leave the show because my eyes extremely bad and i couldn't see out of it and uh i was nervous about losing the side of my eye and uh they took me in a van and it didn't show it on tv if i can remember now and i went into they took me into town into the town uh and um i went to see a doctor and, and this is a funny story so i had to say goodbye to leachie and i wasn't sure and everybody i had to go and i said i'm not sure if i'm coming back it depends on how bad my eye is so uh i i've head into this that took us in one of those toyota high ace van things and went into town went to see the doctor the lady come in she was a lady doctor there and she said oh what's wrong and they opened my eye up and had a look and she said oh it's it's nasty and um you've you've uh done some damage there and she said oh well just uh here's some things i oh, will see how it goes Do you want to get back in the show i said well i'd love to and she said oh okay she said, let me go and find some things for you um to give you to take back into the show so when she went out of the room i started looking around her office because we we had no food remember mm. oh so i'm found in packets of biscuits and <laughs> coca-cola cans i'm in the fridge and i'm raiding the office you know <laughs> and <laughs> i've taken food i've come back i've i've shoved it in all my pockets and then i've come back and then i've, I've got this patch on my eye and then they took it off and and it was getting a bit better uh and uh and i've come back and they and, and that's right i came back with a box of matches and a, and a lighter nice. <laughs> office and um I turned up and they went, oh, and the camera's on me coming back into the show. And yeah, I'm going to push on and, you know, I'll do all this and uh, I'm, I want to stay and whatever, but my pockets are full of cigarette, <laughs> uh, cigarette lighters and matches and Coca-Cola and biscuits and things like that. And <sighs> the cameras are gone. I went, Hey guys, look at this. I pulled out all the stuff. They're going, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because we spent the night, the two nights before with, they don't know this with no, no fire. We couldn't start a frigging fire. We had the flints and everything and we were doing everything and it was raining and we could not start a fire. So uh, we were all freezing our nuts off, you know? And, uh, and then I turned up with this and then the crew came back and here we've got this big fire going all of a sudden after two nights of impossible. Cans of coke around the fire. They weren't a bit suspicious about that. (laughs) They weren't a bit suspicious about empty cans of coke just littering the beach there. No, we were burying all that stuff. (laughs) And I'm walking around with the lighters in my pocket and the cigarette and the matches and everything and lighting fires everywhere. It was great fun. Wow. That's a fantastic, I mean, one minute you're on on your way to a, a hospital in Vanuatu with eye problems, you're probably thinking, oh, geez, you know, and, and <laughs> next minute, yeah, your pockets are full coming back into the game. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I love because it, it clearly... It was Cooktown, wasn't it? The name of the town, if I remember, something like that, Cooktown or in Vanuatu. So anyway, the good news was that I used the opportunity to to scour the doctor's office and take everything from what she had there and <laughs> pretended that I was really ill, but then I was getting a bit of fast, but I came back with full pockets. I'm glad you told that story, Wayne, because I think it, you know, obviously your eye is extremely important, as would anyone's eye be, but it, I think it just shows you how keen you were to actually play this game because i mean some other people would have said you know what you know i've got an eye problem i want to go back to australia get it properly looked at um you know here you are your your main concern is 
stuff in your pockets for, you know, for the tribe and getting fired. So, I mean, it does, it's a credit to you. It does actually show you how much you wanted to play this game. Oh yeah. No, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a naturally a competitive person. So if anything, if I'm going to do it, I do it to, you know, a thousand percent of my, my heart. So, uh, but Leachy and everyone goes, yeah, WJ, <laughs> you know, and, they, and so it was really funny when I came back there and I was the, I was the the king of the tribe at that point. And plus I was helping him a lot and designing all the huts and things. So, you know, I had a lot of, a lot to give and a lot to bring to them and particularly the matches. That was the savior to the whole thing. And ask Leachy sometime, he'll, he'll laugh about that. It's, I mean, uh, I and love another, and another And another time we, we were a bit naughty, Leachy and I, we were going across in one of the, the boats or the, um, like a ferry thing that were taking us across to one of the islands. And there was a, you know, a dark guy, a local native driving us there in this boat. And as he's gone off to, to anchor to anchor the boat on onto the island here, and it Leachy and I are in there getting into his cupboard, stealing all his biscuits and all his <laughs> we're stealing everything of, of this the, the drivers, you know, the 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 locals are food and everything. Wow. It was chips and biscuits and beer cans and we were stuffing in our pockets and in our hats and everything and and taking it with us off the island so everyone had hats on this show matt you sticking stuff in your hat stealing it that's why you know justin imogen they're all wearing hats yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. but i think i I don't know about you ben i think it's fair game if you if you can get away with stealing some stuff on survivor i think to me that's fair game survivor isn't it exactly well this is the thing like at the end of the day you have all the time well, you we had were certain looking. rules that you had to follow, no. but like if there's not explicitly written down, and like I, I blame Channel Seven for that because Channel Ten, Channel Nine, they wouldn't let you get away with that. They're strict on this sort of stuff. They're kind of following down. Obviously, Channel Seven didn't give two shits about ah, like, oh, fucking just whatever, do it. Like, <laughs> no, they had, they had too much trust in Wayne and Leachy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And Fiona yeah. was still in sugar. Leachy, remember, Leachy, so. like, we're we're praying all for the opportunities and. Even the games, I was studying the games, what you had to do, and then I could see areas where we could improve and speed the time up and, like, going underneath the ropes and so on. So uh, any game, I, will, I, was, I was doing the strategy for them and I knew we'd win it because the other team weren't thinking that way. You know, I was improvising and trying to shortcut it all the time and, and to come up with strategies to get around it. So... Uh, no, we were we went with it uh, with a bit of um, you know uh, a study in it and understand the rules and tried to strategize prior to the the events happening. So, but it was fun. So everything, all the opportunities, and it is called a survivor show. We were in the background doing things that weren't always correct, but we were getting there, you know. And we never really got caught. It's it's fascinating though. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm with Matt. Love hearing stories like that. It's always it always makes it interesting. And it's also with the eye. Like that's something that generally if they have to pull you from the game to go see a doctor for the most part that's it like you don't get given that chance to return it's kind of that's where you have to make that decision so that's that's the first time i think we've ever heard that the one i'd like to find out if you remember though you you mentioned about that night that it was raining we spoke to fiona a couple of weeks ago and she mentioned that they were given the option to leave and go spend the night in a hotel and come back and she said that she believed that the guy's that you guys took that. Do you do you remember? Like, did you guys take that opportunity to go stay somewhere and then come back after that rain? No, no, no. I I never left. Um, oh, there was torrential rain. That's right. Um, no, I I just stayed there. You know, I, I just I, I I never left. If you're there to do it, you're going to mozzle well do it well. That's how I my theory is. And you know, as I said, I have a very competitive nature, and 
uh, and I liked winning. So I went in there to try and win the show, of course, you know, and I, and I knew I came in there with a lot of, a lot of the strength and a lot of knowledge applied to all this. Uh, and it was working until, you know, I didn't really think outside the square about how the women would uh, gang up on me and evict me out. You know, I didn't understand that. And I was a bit shocked, to be honest, particularly when I was given them a good lifestyle and having, a, you know, the Taj Mahal palace that we were living in. So, uh, but that's the way it is. That's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable with it, but I had a great time there anyway. You did a lot of your footage that was shown, you, you were always fixing something. You're always up, up, you know, fixing the shelter and all that. Um, that, yeah. Was that what was rubbing you the wrong way with, I guess, the, the females on your tribe because, or especially Gabby, it, it, it seemed that she wasn't lifting a, you know, lifting her, her weight well i mean gabby's a pretty girl and she um she act that pretty girl lifestyle she didn't want to do anything she was to be honest dog bone lazy so um you know i like the girls that put in and put the effort in and try to help as much as they can within their capabilities and uh uh and when what has come to strategizing you know she didn't want to know about mm. and i'm trying to strategize the games which is yeah. where the strength of uh, of Leachy and, our, and myself and uh, the other some of the girls would listen and sit and listen and work with us and she just didn't even want to join in the conversation didn't even know about it was not interested she just wanted to walk around and look pretty so I think she I think she, well first of all she rubbed me up the wrong way because she wasn't as a group as a tribe she wasn't putting the effort in and um, um, so you know I went into as I said to strategize the game and it's all good until one day they said, no, 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 we want to do the game. And I went, no, don't do it. No, you won't get it right. And they went, no, we will, we will. Uh, we'll do it. And so I think they went in there to lose and then so that they could then evict me that night, which they did. So I was kind of like, oh, I know what's going to happen now. I didn't realise once because I was trying to fight to keep winning the games. That way we're not put up for, no one's going to be put up for eviction. So... But uh, they outsmarted me on that one. <laughs> so, so you, so you believe the the night when you you lost the the challenge that ultimately led to your eviction. So you believe that the girls uh, helped throw that. That Nicole, she was the only one in that. Yes. That she kind of fell yeah. and was doing that to kind of get you out. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, because when the girls came over, they were always talking together, and um, you know, I was a bit of an outcast with them. So obviously, you know, and and and, and I was a strong strong leader in the in in the group you know so uh and as i said strategies on the games building the hut fixing everything trying to make life as normal as possible for everybody um and but they didn't see that and they just wanted to take that and wanted to run the game their way in with the politics so it's the way it is did you ever have conversations with imogen and nicole about forming a four-way alliance with leachy to, to vote out gabby was that ever an option uh no i mean i really you know leachy was always talking to the girls and and he was he had a better communication going with all the girls than myself um i just talked to leachy and i was always trying to strategize as i said the games and the life or fish or what do we need or you know so um and getting coconuts and um, you know, and, and finding food for everybody. So I was more like the hunter and gatherer essentially in the, in the conversation. And, you know, I always slept over on one side, Leach was all cuddled up to all the girls. So, you know, <laughs> I think that kind of tells the story, you know, doesn't it? The night you got voted out, Wayne, like we, did you see it coming? Like, did you think Gabby would turn on you or were you still hoping that she might stick to that original Kakula oh, lines? And Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I thought that, 
surely they've got eyes in their heads that they could see that I brought a lot to the team. Um, a lot of the strengths, you know, like winning the games and so on. It was only that one time they all wanted to run the run the the game themselves, and of course, I think they threw it so that they had the eyes in us as a strategy to get rid of me. So uh, once that happened, I was shocked. I was not shocked. We lost. I mean, I was shocked that then when we were going to the um, uh, to the eviction time um, uh, ceremony. I went, oh, I just worked it out. I went, oh, I'm going for sure. For sure I'm going. This is what this is about. So I, I cottoned onto it, but there was nothing I can do mm. because they kicked and fussed and said, no, 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 we want to strategize. And it was a big argument over it all, you know. And I went, okay, all right, you guys want to do it? Good luck, you know. And um, But you're going to have to do this and this, this. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do it. we want to do it. Okay, I stepped aside and let them do it. But again... It was a strategy that they'd worked out. I remember catching them a few times, all talking about it, and I walked up and caught them a couple of times, and they all went quiet. <laughs> so uh, I kind of had a an inkling what was going on. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that's your first clue is when when you walk up and everyone goes quiet. That's when you know you know they're talking about yeah. you. But I, I know Leachy's reaction when 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 your name came up at tribal and and ultimately got voted out. I mean, Leachy was in shock. I think I don't know whether that's he had that much faith in Gabby. Although that you know it was obvious that you and Gabby weren't getting along that well, Leachy obviously still thought that she was going to stay with you because his face was was one of the best we've seen. It, he was in shock that your your name ended up being voted out. Well, I mean, everyone could see what I brought to the tribe, you know. So I had a lot of skills to bring and make their life comfortable, and and obviously to you know to plan and strategize the games um, to win. Uh, and then I thought, I oh, will lose one. Uh, and then they'll see where, you know, they'll get put me back in there to strategize the rest to keep winning. But I didn't realize that they were going to evict me straight away. It was only that afternoon when I'd, we'd lost the strategy. And then I went, oh, I'm an idiot. I know what they're going to do. But I couldn't do much about it, could mm-hmm. I? There was nothing I could do because I, if they didn't assist me with winning, we were still going to lose whether or not they planned it or I planned it, you know. So, um, and I, I, I was, my back was against the wall. And and I think Leecher was shocked because he could see what I was doing and what I was bringing to the tribe, but he couldn't do much about it. And I'd say he probably didn't even know that was going to happen. Was it disappointing, Wayne, that not only you missed out on being a part of the jury by by one, you know, one episode, mm. that you end up finding out that that like Leechy and Elton and and, and Gabby they uh, and Justin they all got a chance to to come back into the game. Obviously, you probably. I don't know if you were aware of that in, in when you first started the show that that this was going to be an option later on down the track, but you, you missed that opportunity by by one episode. That's right. Uh, I didn't know about that. That was never explained to me that there's. I mean, they kept surprising us with all different things. As I said to you, there was always a surprise in there of something. So uh, it was never explained that that was going to happen, uh, and um, I was shocked that I got put out and then, then, then Leachy got put out, I think the next, the mm, next yeah. night. Yep. And so that's the girls again, getting rid of all the guys, you see? So he was shocked. And then of course he went and sat in a hotel uh, and I got, I got flown out of there virtually straight away. So um, I was back in Australia then after that, but I was pissed off. Yeah. Because how come him and some others got a second chance mm. and I didn't. Mm. And, uh, and yet I brought a lot of strength to it and, I don't understand why, but anyway, I mean, it was just the way it unfolds and it's the game. But, uh, 
you know, I really wanted to try and win it or be part of the jury and be part of the winning, you know, last few members. But uh, and I had the I had the nous to do it and the energy to do it. But uh, I got I tripped over, you know, the girls. Um, uh, Gabrielle was leader of uh, Get Rid of WG, you know. So anyway, it's the way it is. It's, it's we, funny now. I don't I don't care, you know. So it was good. I got to ask with the WG, like we, we talked about, obviously Guy Leach, Leachy. That's his nickname. Is that is that your nickname from Leachy? Like your WG? Uh, everyone calls me WG, or um, my sons call me Wayneos. You know, Wayneos. Uh, oh. Yeah, Wayneos. My my son Remy and Luca. Hey, Wayneos. So, um, but my kids live in Europe, so. Uh, yeah, I got lots of names, you know, I've got lots of dickhead. And- <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say, wait, I would have loved to hear Dicko call you Wayneos on the show. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, yeah, 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 what, yeah, 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 yeah. What were your well, thoughts on Dicko? That, that, that name came a bit later, actually, after that show, or maybe I think, or maybe about the time. So my son was, uh, quite young then, but, uh, anyway, my, they call me Wayneos or WG or, uh magoo is another one mr magoo so there's all different <laughs> names i get over the years so what what was your um take on on dicko as a host oh dicko's good i like dicko i mean he's uh I, i've known him and met him lots and lots of times uh yeah i got well with him i got on well with him but i was always wary of him i think that's probably you know he was there was there was a, i was always waiting for a surprise from him you know what i mean i was i treated him with care and I didn't try to upset him. I never stood in his way because I can imagine him wanting to make it, it could make your life very, very difficult. And in this certain circumstance on an island um, with these all these members and tribes, uh, I could think about that he could make my life very difficult if I didn't kind of suck up to him or be nice to him or whatever. So Dicko's the sort of guy, if you rub him up the wrong way, mate, he won't let you forget it. Did he, after you got voted out, did you get a chance to just have a quick little chat with him before you got flown out of Vanuatu? And did he say anything no, to you about No, no, they, you're out and they, they slide you out the back of the show and put you in the van and you're off to the hotel and <laughs> pack See your bags you and you're on the plane and gone. That was that quick. It's, it's fascinating with your vote, like, and hearing it from that, you know, perspective and how you felt because, you know, we talked a lot in the recap episode about how it was a pivotal episode because had you and Guy pulled that off, had Gabby sided with you and Imogen went, game's completely different, of course, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Imogen doesn't get an opportunity to come back in the game either. So we're not going to see Imogen at all. And Imogen goes on to very nearly win the season. And it would have been interesting then if maybe they targeted Guy instead of you. Obviously, Guy goes, doesn't get that opportunity to come back in. Mm. Maybe you come back in instead of Guy. So therefore, it's you and Justin. Mm. Like, it's just, it's that one episode, I feel, that just this entire season hinges Mm. on and your vote. So, Wayne, even though you didn't quite make it that one step to the jury and you didn't get that opportunity, your vote, I'm going to say the most important vote in the entire season no well, thank you um look i spoke to lychee when the show was finished and lychee won it uh and i said how did you do that and uh and he said oh i had to go back to the hotel after it and they gave me a chance to go back in i said oh you're lucky devil you know and <laughs> uh and then he said but what i did was i i had all the food up in the hotel and ordered room service and and got my energy levels back up and he said and then i thought about what i was doing and then I said there, so I went, and when I got the opportunity to go back in, he said, I was lucky. He said, I went in with a different attitude. I went in with a different way of approaching it and I changed my strategy. 
And so he said, when I went in there and I went to another type of strategy because that gave me time to think about it. And he said, and then when I went there with a different strategy and they didn't know which way I was coming from and I managed to work my way through and, and win the, win the show, you know? So, uh, Leachie was lucky. It was very lucky. I mean, I probably would have done the same. I would have come out, thought about it. And I thought, Hmm, I'm going to have different tactics with the, with the girls, you know, and manage it a little bit better and probably suck up to them a bit more and, and manage it in a more personal way and friendly way rather than just trying to be, you know, trying to win everything and trying to control the, the show and the evictions. But uh, it didn't work for me. It worked for a while, obviously. But then, you know, the girls came in and, and that pushed me out the door. So uh, it's the way it is, you know. I think Gabrielle had the knife in the middle of my back from the beginning. You must, you must have had a bit of a smile on your face, though, when Leachie tells you that I, I won. Your final words, you said, you know, made the best man win. I don't know if that was a deliberate, like, hey, I want a man to win. But uh, obviously with the girl stabbing you in the back, Leachie tells you he's won. You must have been like, all right, I don't care how you did it, mate. Good on you. Oh, absolutely. Like, I was happy for him. You know, if I couldn't win it, then I want Leachie to win it. And I'm sure he'd be the same. You know, uh, we were working as a tag team and um, uh, and we were talking to each other. We'd go for walks in the bush and you know, saying, what do you think about this? And, um, yeah, it was, so we, we had a lot of time together. Leachie's a good guy and, um, we laughed a lot and, uh, but we just didn't quite get there. Well, for me anyway, he did, you know, he was lucky and he deserved to win. And, but may I say I, one thing Leachie brought to the show and that no one else could compete with was his fitness level. You know, he was extremely fit in some of those ones where we were running and swimming and all sorts of things and diving under the water and collecting things. And, um, he was extremely good and, and, and easy at it where I was more analytical of what we're doing and engineering the, the events, you know. So we're, as a team, we were a great team, Leach, you know. Well, here's a quick question for you then. Um, in your elimination, the, the immunity challenge that you ultimately lost that led to your elimination, the chasing around the, the circle there, um, we, we read from uh, some production notes that, Ultimately, David Mason wanted to put Leachie and Elton against each other in a, a sort of a show to see who would win between a Wallaby and a Iron Man. Who, who do you think wins that, Wayne? Is it is it Leachie or is it Elton Flatley? Oh, without a doubt, Leachie. You know, he's agile. Um, he's got super fitness. Um, you know, Elton's got the brute and the strength. Um, but fitness-wise, wow, Leachie's... Uh, at another level, I was doing my best, but there's one of them were running around the beach or something, having to do laps or something like that. And oh, I was exhausted from it. You know, uh, I'm a race car driver or, or motorcycle rider, not a, not an iron man. So he was doing it easy, but I was out of breath. I thought I was going to have a heart attack on the beach. Well, I would, I mentioned that because, um, I mean, as a motor racing fan, I, I realize that, uh, you know, motor racers don't often get credit for being incredibly fit, but you obviously come from a different era where it sort of was, I know from Formula One perspective, it was kind of Michael Schumacher changed that in the nineties. And obviously it became a lot more, a lot more fitness driven. I mean, is that like back when you were racing, this is kind of a tangent, like what was fitness even a thing looked at for, for motorcycle racers? Has that become oh, more a of a modern question, thing? Actually. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I look, uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was coming into our sport in my era, you know, in the early, in the eighties and nineties. So yes, it was. But I mean, now the riders and the drivers have gone to extreme levels of fitness now, mm. um, where you know they're out cycling and doing 100, 200 kilometers a day in a bicycle before they do the race. You know what I mean? So. It varies. Um, yeah, like I'm still a great believer that you've got to have reasonable fitness and, and good fitness in motorcycle racing. 
but you don't have to be an Ironman to do it. And then, for example, you put Leachy on a motorcycle um, with his fitness and he wouldn't know what to do. You know what I mean? It's horses for courses. So uh, I always believe in that. Uh, my son is now obviously a GP rider and, and a winner now. And uh, his, his attitude is a bit like mine. Like, you know, fitness is important, but not, not super fitness, you know, or what Leachy is. I got a random ran follow up to that. When when Leachy went in the uh, celebrity race at uh, Albert Park, how how did he go? Oh, not terribly good. No, no, no not, not, not terribly good. Not did he get advice from you? Like, does he call you up and be like, uh, "Hey, I'm, I'm no, in the celebrity was, race. What do I do?" Yeah, no, I I wasn't in that celebrity race. I, I don't think I was allowed to go in it because I had racing experience. Um, uh, no, you can give him some tips, but they 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 take all the drivers out and they give them um, courses. Mm. Uh, out at another track prior to the celebrity race in, I think they were driving Fords or something like that. I can't remember which. It's been a while they since they've done it. They've stopped doing the celebrity race, which kind yeah, of sucks. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to love the celebrity race. Well, the cars get all smashed up, and the drivers, you know, they don't, they can't just go and step into it mm. uh, when they have no mind. Some of them don't even drive a car before that, you know. So they go through quite a lot of training, and they're trained by professionals. So they're best to do it that way rather than me get involved. But I'm, I'm happy to take some of my friends out there and give them tips in the driving, but you know, they're better off to go out in these courses. It's probably easier. And otherwise they got me yelling at them in the car. Going, turn, 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 brake, brake, brake. Second gear, not third gear, you know? So it's a, uh, it's always a challenge. It's, it's very hard to build a lot of experience in a very short period, you know? Wayne, when the show was over, what was the reaction when it was shown on TV? Obviously, you would have had family members, fans uh, watch you play this this great game, especially in 2006. Survivor. I mean, Survivor is still big now, but it was you know very high up on a lot of people like watching Survivor. Yeah. Uh, what was the reaction, the fan reaction? Oh, they thought it was cool. They, my kids were watching it and thought, Dad, you're a dickhead. You got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> the girls took you out. What are you doing? And then my wife said to me, I told you before you left, you should have got to be nice to the girls. you got to be nice to the girlies, you know, schmooze them. Don't try to hammer them. And I went, yeah, okay. So uh, obviously I didn't listen. And I was trying to, I got in there and I just tried to give my best. And that was to provide them with, you know, shelter and tactics and things like that. And so uh, I didn't play the tactical game very well. And I suppose... You know, that's probably what my wife, my ex-wife now says to me, you weren't tactical enough with me, you know? So, uh, um, yeah, look, you live and learn. Do you look back on that experience? You, you mentioned at one point in the show, you said it was one of the toughest things that you had ever done. I mean, do you look back 15 years later and, and still agree with it? Was it one of the toughest things you ever did? It was a tough thing, but it was really enjoyable. I loved it. Uh, I wanted to stay in it longer and I was probably more pissed off that I got voted out by the girlies mm. uh, and out strategized um, than anything else because I had visions and, and I, I, I know I went into the show as one of the favorites to win it. And, and I was told that several times by, by the crews and, uh, and Leach and I, I thought if we'd work together, cause as I said, he's got the fitness uh, and I had the, 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 the brawn behind, oh, sorry, the, the, the brains behind the thing. So uh, I thought we'd go in there as a good tag team. And at the end of the day, we both agreed and made the best man win. And uh, and he did. So uh, I'm happy for him. As I said, if it wasn't me, it was him. But I've just got a competitive nature. So if I'm going to do it, I go and give it my best shot, you know. So, but uh, anyway, I was blindsided at the end of the day. 
It's it's interesting because obviously now with the Channel Ten version, they've done a couple of seasons, Champions vs Contenders, where they sort of get you know celebrities up against uh, regulars. Matt was on the first one, and we've seen people like Stephen Bradbury, you know Simon Black, Andrew Edinghausen, you know these sort of people play. And it's actually interesting. You you remain the only motor racer ever to play Australian Survivor. They've never had one on the one. And actually, even if I look at the US Survivor, you had Julia Landau on one of the seasons, uh, sort of a NASCAR racer. They've never really gotten, you know, motorbike or, or car races on, which it's interesting because, you know, you, you talk about that tactical side of, of your mentality and your game. And, you know, there's a lot of tactics in motor racing out there, isn't there? So it's, it's kind of interesting they haven't explored it. Like, you know, maybe maybe get a, an XV8 racer out there, get a Mark Webber out there or something like that to play. You know, it'd be interesting to see one of these guys come and play Survivor. Yeah, motor racing is about tactics and strategies, building strategies. And, uh, you know, during a race, you're going around, you know, at light speed, uh, and with the bikes up to you know 350 kilometers an hour, but you're, you're thinking and you're planning ahead every corner, um, every lap. You're counting down the laps. You're trying to work out where their strengths are, where your strengths are. You're trying to work out where's the best corner to approach them and what's the timing of that corner. Um, like you know, with half a lap to go, with two laps to go, you, you're always constantly building a new strategy all the time. And working on your feet and that's what this was about and, and that's why i think i was quite good at it and you're right there should be more motorsport people in there because that's the way that they think they're always working on strategies on their feet at the time do you have you kept up have you watched any more survivor sort of since you were on the show something you catch every now and then at all no because um i i i live back in europe um i live in uh, monaco or monte carlo in europe and I went back there full time eight years ago. So uh, I haven't been in, I'm very, very rarely in Australia. And uh, you're lucky to catch me in this time. So uh, I'm back home here. I'm doing property development. So I have a big project just uh, finishing stage one. So I came back to do that, get away from the COVID. And, uh, but I'll be going back very, very shortly in the next couple of weeks. Um, after my, I'm doing a road tour right across to Perth on motorcycle. So, uh, with a bunch of guys, so, um, it's kind of like our long, our own Ewan McGregor show, but with all my mates. So, uh, I've never done that before. So now I'm rarely in Australia and, um, I reside overseas and I'll be there probably for the rest of my life. Uh, I have businesses over there and I've got lots and lots of friends and, you know, I left Australia when I was 20 years of age, so I kind of not here that much in my whole life. So, but I'm here now, and um, but I was like fortunate enough to be here when when Celebrity Survivor was on. So I loved every minute of it, and if you asked me to do it again, I would. But I've right. got to be 20 years younger than what I am now. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, just um, you know. On the side note, not jealous at all that you live in Monaco. Why would I be? Uh, I mean, just I have to ask from a Formula One fan's perspective, how close are you to like the track? Like, do you just open your window when Grand Prix time's on and there's Lewis Hamilton driving past your window? Uh, well, you know, Monaco's only about four square kilometres. It's a tiny little place and with about 38,000 people that reside there, but everyone's not there all at once. It's a very transient society. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 the track is the racetrack is the road, hmm. so they just close that off, and so it's they build that. It's always there, ready two weeks or three weeks prior to the event. So um, I, I only live, uh, yeah, hundred meters from it, you know, so not not very far. 
casual and, just there um, it is. <laughs> yeah 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 well you just it's just it's there you, you get know, used you to it i mean obviously that's kind of yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the, the well, i've been there a there. long time you know uh, 40 odd years so it's been a it's been a long time um and it just becomes second nature and i don't even think about it now so I'm going to ask Matt's question here. Just and Matt, sorry if I'm jumping in here to ask this question. I mean, obviously behind you there, Wayne, you've got like you know some memorabilia, your helmets, things like that. Did did you keep anything from your your time on Survivor? Did you keep any of your buffs or any of the the things you had? Do you know? Um, I haven't found anything here, but uh, I've got I've probably got five or six hundred square meters of memorabilia from my career. You know, and you can probably see over my shoulder there's leathers um and there's books and there's albums and um trophies i have rooms and rooms and rooms full of trophies and photographs and uh i have a lot a lot of memorabilia not just here but um and this is my office but i have um i have in museums all around the world i've got a lot of stuff out there that's uh, on record so but uh, i haven't found any of my survivor stuff i remember i used to have like the scarf on your head mm. I had the survivor one of those and I'm sure I've got it somewhere, but you know what? I've had 40 years of stuff piled up here in my warehouse here and my assistant or my business partner now, Lisa, um, who sits just here and she's, she's um, made me go and start pulling the, the mess apart and try to, you know, put it in compartments and now I've just got, I didn't realize I had so many helmets and I didn't realize I had so many uh, sets of leathers and I didn't realize I had so many gloves and photographs and trophies and stuff that uh, I've just never looked backwards and never had time to look in here. I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff, but it's been quite healthy for me, but I haven't been through everything at the moment. So hopefully I'll pick up some survivor things, um, t-shirts and clothes that I was wearing and the bandanas and so on. So I know I have got it somewhere, but I just don't know where at this point. If you do come across them, Wayne, yeah, definitely don't throw them out because they're, they're very rare, especially anything from your season. There was nothing um, ever, you know, sold to the public or anything, especially those bandanas, the buffs, um, very mm. rare. I know we, we just interviewed Fiona Horn not long ago and uh, she has, she has a great memorabilia collection from, from the show, which was fascinating. And um you know, stuff that obviously production gave her afterwards, like the little tree mails and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's definitely something if you ever do come across it, uh, definitely worth keeping. Now, before we let you go, Wayne, we have to talk to you about your movie, of course, titled Wayne, and it came out in 2018. How did all that come about? Uh, when was that? It came out three years ago. Um, a guy called uh, Matthew... Uh, oh, what's his surname? Matthew, anyway, Matthew from New Zealand. Um, he contacted me and he's a producer of documentary style movies. Uh, he read my book, um, which is actually up on the on the shelf just there. And uh, actually, I'll go get it. Hang on. Please do. Yes, come on. We were, Everyone's got books, Matt. This is what we're covering, you know, isn't it? You know, Ben, you know, we're a fan of. Uh, past survivor contestants and books. I think, like we said, I think I'm the only one that hasn't written a yeah, book. Bloody so. Matt. Get on it. Get on write a book. Where's your movie? There it is. So, so, so this book was written by a guy called Nick Hartkrink, um, the local guy here in Wollongong. And um, everyone knows I'm from Wollongong originally. So this was written back in about 88, 89. And um, he used to work at the Illawarra Mercury as a, and he was also a journalist looking after my career. I hired him um, in the earlier days when I was trying to get sponsorship 
in Australia. Um, and um, anyway, he came for the ride for the ride with me and um, went through the winning of the world title and all the other things and the you know in the Wollongong whiz and comes back to Wollongong with the Lord Mayor and the key of the city and da 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 da. <clears throat> so he, we we wrote he, he I told the story he wrote it. <clears throat> and this sold, I think, something like 60,000 um, uh, copies. And then it, that was ceased from there. <clears throat> so the copies, uh, you, you, you see them around the place and sometimes you see them for sale and people read them and then move them on and so on. And um, <clears throat> Matthew found uh, one in New Zealand and bought it at the local markets and bought it. And he says he read it about 20 times. And he said, I just love the story. He said it was a, uh, and I said, and then he came to me and he said, oh, I make docos. Um, and uh, Matthew Metcalf is his name. And um, uh, and uh, you have a production company in New Zealand. And he said, oh, I want to make a movie. And I said, oh, I think you're about 30 years too late, don't you? you know? <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 no. He said, it's a great story. He said, no one's ever done this before uh, on a writer. And, you know, told their life story in a documentary style thing. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a big hit. And I went, well, okay, if you want. But uh, I still think it's too late. And he said, no, 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 it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Because he said it's that 80s era was just amazing. You know, Alan Bond and winning Ameri uh, the America's Cup and you and um, Pat Cash and, <clears throat> and all these names. <clears throat> And he said, uh, I really want to do it. I'm going to do an amazing job. I said, okay. So he said, I want to get Jeremy Sims, the actor here in Australia, <clears throat> to be the director. And so uh, he said, I'd love to do it. And I went, okay, well, good luck. <laughs> uh, but he said, I need to go and find, I don't know, four or five million dollars to put all this together. And uh, I left it to him and he did the running around the globe and found investors from the UK to Australia. And um, the uh, Australian cinema uh people got involved and they backed it. And so they got a budget together and decided to put it together. So then they wanted to meet Donna, my ex-wife, and we got her on site. And uh, and then they wanted to go and visit and he read the book and he said, oh, I've got all these people I want to go and interview. So they had a team of guys and they flew around the world to talk to all my past competitors and my friends and, uh, and Donna and did a lot, a lot of research, collected all the footage from around the world. They sat upstairs here with all my memorabilia and they sat there for three months documenting everything and went through photographs. And so they tried to match everything up with this book, what I had up in photographs and leathers and all this stuff here, as you can see. And uh, they were beaving away that for, for, for years. And, um, and then they, they got the film ready. Uh, I went to the launch. I took my son Luca as well, and we went to the red carpet uh, in Melbourne. Uh, the launch of it, and uh, and then we did lots and lots of red carpets in around Australia. Then we went to New Zealand, and yeah, it's been a, a big success. It's been around the world to all the cinemas and just about every country. Uh, they, it's even in Japan, I think, at the moment in a different wow. uh, subtitled version. Uh, it's, it was in France in, with subtitles. Uh, so, yeah, it's done the world. Um, it's been in airlines. It's been in DVDs as well. And, uh, and um, yeah, it's been very, very successful. Not one bad critic. Um, the, only, the only criticism that I've heard from the journos is that, and from people is that 
oh, it's only an hour, 40 minutes. I want it to be two hours or three hours long. <laughs> so everyone loved the story, um, but uh, they were limited by the cinemas because they only allowed docos around about 40 minutes maximum, one hour, yeah. 40 minutes. Which I, which I believe it's on Amazon Prime now if people want to, to catch it. Like, and, oh, and is see it? Yeah. It. I, yeah. I, I believe so. I mean, and, it's and, been on cable network, um, DVDs, uh, you, uh, JB Hi-Fi. You can get it anywhere like that. And uh, and everyone asked me in the world, oh, how do we get a copy? It's like a great mystery. But um, it's been a big success uh, off the back of that, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm sure that now that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of writers have got stories to tell, and they'll probably go and do the same sort of thing in the future. Well, you, but you, you know what's nice about it is it's for me it's a mark in time that I mm. can present to my kids. Yeah, and for my sure. Kids can take that. And say and watch this and go. That's our dad. Do you know what I mean? So not that my kids want to at this point, but maybe when they get a bit older and a bit more mature, they will want to know what my life was about. And you know, if I sat and told my story, they fall asleep. If they sit and watch motor, I've shown some of the videos. They've never seen all my races, never. Wow. And if I show one, they go, "Oh, that'll do. That's enough." Yeah, good on you, dad. Well done. Bye. So uh, not impressed, you know. So, but my son's. Um, he's he's obviously a Grand Prix rider now. Doing very well, Remy. For him, all it was a, all for him was all about beating me. Yeah. So <laughs> our last time out, we rode together about two years ago, prior to COVID, and uh, he said, "Dad, come and have a ride on my 600." Um, I bet you can't get within five seconds of him. I said, oh, don't be stupid. That's ridiculous. I'll be probably faster than you. <laughs> so I go out there on exactly the same bike, on exactly the same tyres. And I couldn't get within five and a half seconds of him. Wow. <laughs> he goes, I told you. And he said, go have another go. Because I went and did a few laps. And he said, go and keep going. No, I said, no, I'm not going to go anymore because I'm going to be in the hospital next. So I said, <laughs> I give up. I'll get in the car. I need to sleep now and a nap. I said, you drive home. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> yeah, you're at least happy that he's, he's followed your path on the, on the bikes, unlike Mick's son who's gone the car route instead? <laughs> um, yeah, look... Look, motorcycles, I love motorcycles. You know, as you know, I'm going for a ride uh, on Monday, you know, for two weeks, ride across to Perth. So uh, I love bikes. Uh, Remy loves bikes. My son, Luca, loves bikes. Um, I, I didn't care what my kids did. I just want them to do whatever they wanted to do, but do it with passion and commitment. That's all I ask. And then they have to find their own way. I never forced them. I never forced them even now. In fact, I'm always trying to tell Remy, to slow down and not go as fast, but uh, he's very, very good now, very, very fast. And hopefully this year he's going to have a big season. So, yeah, look, uh, you know, I'm proud of him, but I'm still a nervous dad. Well, what was that moment like seeing him win the last round last season? I mean, kind of, you know, you obviously you have such success yeah. in your own career, world champion, everything that I mentioned at the beginning, but I, I can imagine yeah. it's a different feeling seeing your son, you know, following yeah. your footsteps is only one tier below MotoGP. Now to see him win a race in Moto2, that must have been a pretty proud moment. Um, look, he's come so close so many times. He, he'd been knocking on the door for about two years of winning. Uh, he just couldn't get all these ducks in a row, basically. The the speed's there. The team that he was in was not quite good enough, to be honest, and the equipment he was riding was one year old. Uh, so he wasn't on the latest stuff. But, you know, Remy's a very determined boy, and he doesn't give up easy. Uh, and he just kept fighting. And But what was missing was his strategy on the track, that was in. His speed's there, he's qualifying, he's been on pole many, many, many times. Um, he had an offer last year 
to race MotoGP, but he turned it down. That was with KTM. Um, he thought that it wasn't time, the right time, and it wasn't quite the right, right. But since then, KTM have leaped another ten steps forward. So he's uh, he's now with KTM as a sponsor um, this year, and with the Moto Two team, uh, and he's got a second year option um, for MotoGP with KTM if Great. they want to keep him. If not, he'll he'll go. But he's uh, if all goes well, I think he'll be a MotoGP next year, and he's going to be very very fast and. I think in the long term, he'll be winning MotoGP as well. So I think he's going to be fast this year. I think he's good enough to win. Fingers crossed. He needs it a little bit of luck. And uh, we'll, we'll, I, I just pray that it's all going to be in, ending good and he comes home in one piece. And Wayne, you'll have to get him to listen to this uh, this episode on our podcast because maybe one day he'll uh, want to be inspired to play a bit of Survivor as well. Well, he's a very determined person, you know, and he's he's very, very clever with his hands. Uh, I taught him uh, all the technical side of the bikes and uh, obviously welding and all how to use tools and trades and things like that. And he's uh, he's got his own work sh- workshop in Spain. He's got uh, uh, he's got many many bikes. He builds ho- uh, hot rod cars now. He's got a, a Volvo Amazon, something like a '69 with a 400 horsepower engine and airbag suspension. It drops on the road. It's He's, he's insanely good about engineering. So in the paddock, in the GP paddock, he's probably the only person with those skills. Everybody else, just it's just for them, just a job. But for Remy, it's his passion, you know, is, is the mechanical side of it. So he's got a very good understanding of how a bike works, why it works, how cars. He's very good at driving. He's also got an Alfa Romeo GTV, um, a classic model. He loves classic cars. And um, he's nearly finished his Volvo, so he's... He does uh, club days and now he wants to beat me in cars. And the last time I were out, he thinks he was faster than me, but I think I was a bit faster than him. But uh, as you can see, I've got a very competitive family. And, well, I, I was, and as I keep telling him, Dad, I'm faster than you. I said, mate, I'm 61 years old now. You better be faster than me. Otherwise, you better retire, you know. So, no, but he's great. I mean, I'm very proud of him. And my other son, Luca, he was racing bikes too. Um He's decided he wants to go down the music track now. He's got his own studio. He makes, um, you know, DJ and, um, um, you know, party music. Uh, he loves a party. He's a party boy. And, um, but he's also working as a, as a, uh, in construction, um, which is also another part of my business as well. So I'm training him up to, you know, look after some of my property development businesses. So, uh, He's he's good. He's great. He's riding a bike on the streets, and I just hope he's safe. And and um, but he's he's a good boy as well. Wayne, it sounds like you definitely live a, a fast-paced lifestyle still. But uh, have you kept in contact with with anyone from the show? Uh, no, um, no. I mean, he was good friends with Imogen, um, Amber. I was good mates with. I haven't seen her for a long time. I bumped into her one night at the casino in Melbourne many many years ago. But my point to this is that I'm not here in Australia very often, mm. so I don't really get to see that many Australians, let alone, you know, celebrity survivors. So uh, I hope that there is a big reunion one night and I can well, go to it. We were uh, going to say, Wayne. Well, they can come and see, they can come over to my place in Monaco and have a party. Yeah, at well, you know, I'm maybe weekend in May, potentially, you know, enjoy. If you ever yeah, want to, yeah. if, come, in, if you come ever, in the summer period. Summer if you ever want to invite any time. podcast hosts to that party, I, I might know <laughs> oh, a few. We could, we could Just, do that. I'll get uh, Prince Albert down to join the party as well. Uh, if you absolutely. Like. Sure. That sounds like a good weekend. 
Just yeah. make sure Dicko's there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I won't forget him because the other way will come and rouse on me. You'll do something to me. So. <laughs> well, well the, the thing we'll say, Wayne, as, as we let you go, is that, um, you know, we, we covered season one of Australian Survivor and what we did sort of as we closed that off with a bit of a reunion. Uh, you know, we, we got as many people as we could. And your season ultimately didn't even have a reunion like a lot of Survivor seasons do. So no, it didn't. Our, our plan is sort of as one of the final episodes of this season that we cover is whoever's available to join us for a, for a Zoom reunion. It's obviously not quite the same as partying with Prince Albert in Monaco, but we'll try and make it as close <laughs> to that as we can. But uh, yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, if you're around then, you might be able to catch up with, with Leachy and Amber. Maybe we'll get Gabby yeah. on there and you two can have it out finally. I don't know. We'll yeah, see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Um, I'm happy to join in and... I don't want to bring my boxing gloves. I come with love. <laughs> so for all the listeners out there, Wayne, that might want to follow you on social media or on websites, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, I've got a, um, I've got a really beautiful um, uh, Facebook page. It's uh, Wayne M. Gardner. And uh, I'm on Instagram. It's the, Wayne, the, the real Wayne Gardner. And, um, yeah, and on Twitter. So, uh but you know, I, I, I'm not out there for the limelight. Uh, I've got another business about to be launched in the next few months, and but you'll have to wait, and I can't tell you what that'll be. But it's a, it's a very, very big project, and it's based in Germany. So great. Uh, so yeah, I've I've kept busy. I'm um I, I I'm loving life. I've I've had maybe twenty lives in one, I think, and uh, and I'm lucky to have survived it all, and I've got great kids, and and I've done some amazing things, including being on Celebrity Survivor. So. Uh, I've had a great life and I can't complain. Well, it's a perfect way to end this interview, Wayne. I, I'll let Matt have the final word, but uh, I, I personally want to say it's been a, an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Uh, as I sort of said throughout this entire season, t- to me going into this, when I saw the cast, I'm like, hands down, biggest guy on this season is Wayne Gardner, you know, an absolute legend of, of sport in our country. And to, to chat to you about something that, as I said at the top of this interview, is probably something that, you know, one in a million people might bring up with you. Hey, I remember you from Survivor. So we're, we've really enjoyed uh, having this chat going down a memory lane of 15 years ago. And uh, yeah, we, we appreciate it and hope we can uh, speak to you on a reunion episode. I want the boxing gloves out with Gabby. I want this to happen come reunion time. So... <laughs> Oh, I'm happy to tackle Gabby. That's for sure. That's not a problem. And Dicko, if it has to be. But uh, um, look, a few people have come up to me over the years and said, oh, we've seen you on YouTube on um, Celebrity Survivor. You look fantastic. It was great. A pity you got voted out by the girls. I went, <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't remind me. So I want to give uh, Gabby an uppercut maybe when I see her the next time. So, well, we're, anyway. having tr- we're having trouble tracking her down, actually. We, she's, she's scared of you, Wayne. She's yeah. She heard I was after her, by the yeah, way. Probably. She's on my hit list. But, but but Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Like I said, I know you live a, a busy lifestyle, so to take the time today to talk celebrity survivor, mate, we're we're much appreciated. And uh, mate, you've been a great yarn. It was um, great hearing some stories back from your time on uh, Celebrity Survivor. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And as I said, I wasn't sure what I could remember out of this, but the more we talk about it, the more it keeps coming back to me. And um, but I certainly remember the days of you know getting my eye poked out and then stealing all the, um, the, the cans of Coke and the biscuits and the matches. And the, <laughs> it was a, it was a good way of surviving too. you. And it is called survivor. So I figured fair's fair, isn't it? And another fantastic chat there. Uh, Wayne Gardner, Matt, I, I'm just blown away that if you had told me at some point in your life, you're going to interview Wayne Gardner. I'm like, okay, you know, I can I'd gladly do it. You know, Wayne's a legend. I, I love Wayne, but Tell me I'm going to talk to him about Celebrity Survivor. I would have been like, hmm, okay, that's interesting point of 
conversation, but I'll say yes. And uh, it turned out to be a great chat. So there we go. And what I loved about Wayne is you could actually see that he, he was glad and happy to be talking about this game, this show that he did 15 years ago. I mean, obviously he's done so much in the, in, in the world of motorsport, you know, but um, you know, he was on this show 15 years ago and, and we're talking, he's talking about it for the first time. This is the first time he's ever publicly spoken about his time on Survivor. So um, to hearing some of the stories too, I mean, uh, he, he's great at telling, <laughs> you've got to admit, Ben, he's great at telling me a, a story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like what's, what's really great about this season, and we always knew this was going to be the case with, you know, the people we're lucky enough to chat to is that this is something that doesn't form their lives. You know, see, season mm. one, Whaler's way, like, you know, they're just regular people who go on Survivor and then, you know, people bring it up randomly, but they were all so happy to talk about it. They, they, you know, this is Wayne Gardner, you know, this is Kim Johnson, Fiona Horn. These are, you know, celebrities and people who are used to being talked about in different capacities, not as Survivor contestants. So it's it's kind of great and unique to bring it up. And, you know, yeah, Wayne was obviously very excited to, to relive these memories. He said, obviously, right at the end there that hasn't thought about in a while and didn't think he was going to remember much, but it all kind of comes flooding back to him and... Yeah, it's a, it's a unique opportunity to to chat to someone like Wayne Gardner, but in a completely different capacity than he's used to. And I, I've just got that bit more love for the the, the duo of Wayne and Leachy too. Just hearing the stories that they're both like stuffing pockets and stealing <laughs> stuff when they can. Like, you can just picture it, can't you, on the island, those two up to no good. And like Channel 7, like what are you guys doing? David Mason, like I really appreciated your time, like great insight, but like... Mate, like, he's got cans of Coke in his pockets. And, like, I mean, <laughs> uh, Wayne said there at one point that, you know, there was a real skeleton crew. Like, was there one camera person out there? Like, I mean, I don't think, yeah, you know, Mr. Bronger's not going to do this last season if all of a sudden <laughs> Sylvan's sneaking in his, his pills and his cans of Coke. Solo, of course, in that season. But, uh, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's you know, sugar and Coke and, like, what else is going to be shoved up and stolen on this show? I would have loved to have known what the production were thinking when here they couldn't get this fire going for like two days straight. They turned their back for two seconds and literally they got this massive big bonfire going. Wayne's just sitting there. Everyone's bound down to Wayne. Um, I would have loved how they sort of have production. They would have been like, shit, how did we miss that? And yeah. One, so one good. Thing. Little did they know. Little did they know. Wayne's there with, with some matches and a lighter. Just yeah, turning well, into a pyromaniac. I also like learning that um, that guy couldn't catch fish. An Iron Man. He lives in the water. Look, couldn't find it. That, that, and that explains why Imogen, in particular, yeah. is, is getting jack of them not going out and catching fish. Leechy. Well, obviously, we'll talk to Leechy about this, but he's given up. Apparently, he couldn't catch a cold. Like he. <laughs> wonder if he's even trying to get the toad fish. You know. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I was like, a quick funny story. Oh, many years ago, I was out, we went over to um, Stratty, mate, a couple of brothers. We we're over there. We, we, we put in 10 bucks and said, first person to catch a fish gets the pot. So it was like 50 bucks. So I go. My brother walks down with the hand reel, puts it in, gets a toadfish, pulls it out and says, yeah, I won. <laughs> Technically, he won as a fish. We didn't say, well, toadfish don't count. He wins a 50 bucks. Maybe that was leachy. Maybe. I also I want to say that I'm glad that we've kind of adopted Leechy as his name now. Like it's kind of we're getting that real like blokey Aussie mentality now that we've just said it enough to Wayne in this episode. Fucking who's guy, Leechy. Welcome nah, to the Leech. welcome to the podcast, Leechy. Hall of Famer Leechy. Leechy. It's Leechy for the rest of the season, Ben. Absolutely. And we when we didn't get an opportunity there. There were two things that we didn't get a chance to chat to Wayne there about. It was finding out whether Wayne likes the breasty bits like uh like Leechy. And also ultimately his uh charity, of course, uh Royal Alexander Hospital 
for children. We just give it a plug right now. I feel we'll mention it there. Obviously, uh, that was his uh, choice there. Great cause. You mentioned that last week, Matt. Uh, always great to have that sort of charity towards a, a children's hospital there. But uh, no, I, I, I will admit, I actually haven't seen the film Wayne. I, I do remember when it came out and really wanting to, to see it. But I don't, like, I gave you this trivia option off air. And I don't know if we want to play this game to our listeners for them to guess. I said that he's one of only two Australian Survivor contestants to have a film made about them. How about we just keep this open-ended? If you, I mean, people listening to this, you're going to have these mad Australian Survivor fans who are going to answer this within five seconds. But I want to I want to keep this open-ended. You know the answer, Matt. I clearly mm-hmm. told you beforehand. But uh, how about we play this little game? Let's, let's see if anybody out there can connect the dots and say who the other Australian Survivor contestants. They had a movie. Similar to Wayne, it was a documentary film made about their life. And it's, uh, yeah. And when you asked me, I actually got it wrong. So all fair, you asked me the question, I got it wrong and, and you told and when you told me it made sense, I was like, of course it, that should have been my first pick. But uh be interesting if anyone people will be Googling now anyway, they'll already it's not know the Sylvan, answer. Just uh, I'll give it away. But he should have a film made about him. Sylvan <laughs> definitely should but i uh, know we, we obviously very much appreciate wayne's time uh you know as, as he's saying that interview not in australia often it's you know got it we got him at the right moment the stars aligned there he was and also can i just say i love being right one out of one interview fucking ben win you know i had it proved from a guy who was and he's the one guy on the episode oh. who seemed to think that this guy knew his shit now wayne's like no nah, he knew nothing don't you like it how I keep trying to talk up Ben Wynn that every time we hear about him, it just everything's the opposite, like is is going against what I'm saying. And like, oh. like you said, even Wayne said he's a big bloke and all, but he just offered nothing. So I'm I'm, I'm still gonna I'm still thinking there might be hope that someone else might say something different. But mate, as each interview goes on and each person we talk to, it's kind of making it a little bit harder for me to justify him being this great character in Survivor history. And as I keep saying, we want Ben. Ben, come on the show. Like, prove me wrong. But, uh, yeah, not looking too good with that. It's actually interesting. This was obviously the first time we'd, we'd interviewed a male contestant from this season, a Kakula member. Uh, so, you know, it's always interesting. Like, it was like last season when, you know, we were mainly talking to Kadena folk and then we finally got to the Tapara guys. Like, it's, it's a different mindset. It's a different sort of thing. And obviously we know everybody's going to bring something different to the table of what they remember and everything and obviously our next interview uh will be with elton flatley we're you know crossing our fingers we're sort of loosely getting that organized right now so uh fingers crossed that elton will be coming to the table because ultimately next week we're going to come back we're going to recap episode six spoiler alert guy leach gets voted out but we're not going to get guy on to talk about getting eliminated because he maybe comes back in and wins the season so (laughs) we're kind of going to have two recaps in a row and this is going to be a unique season where this will happen also after the elton interview because unfortunately, Gabrielle's a bit of a tough cookie to find unless we get a miracle. So we'll have a few more recaps in a row. But just thought we'd fill in the gaps here that next week, episode six, followed by episode seven, followed by my man, steak loving, get fuck salad, Elton Flatley. I, I, I'm so hopeful this is going to happen because I want to speak to Elton Flatley for an hour about how steak rules and salad sucks. And I'm sure he's going to be breaking shit while we're on the oh, Zoom call. And, fuck, uh, he'll be smashing everything. <laughs> Just a reminder to everyone too, if you're listening to this just on the, um, you know, this on the podcast, but uh, make sure you get on our YouTube channel as well. I think it's important too, especially with these big interviews. Uh, I think actually watching the YouTube channel, obviously Wayne, he showed his book on air and stuff. And I think it just adds to that a little bit extra to, towards the, the, the interview. 
100% agree. And ultimately, if you're listening to this right now, you're listening to the podcast because we don't put this bit at the end of the video interview on YouTube. But yeah, search for Australian Survivor Archives on, on YouTube, uh, Fiona, Amber's and um, Kim's interview up there, David Mason's as well. And in a couple of weeks too, we'll have a, a sort of a mid-season interview. I, actually, I, I'll correct myself. I'll backtrack. Between the episode where Guy gets voted out and that one, we will have another interview, but it'll be of a different style. Uh, so mm. just uh, if you listen to last season, you'll kind of get where we're going that. But, yeah, no, absolutely. YouTube, don't stare at my face. Stare at Matt. Matt's pretty sexy. But, yeah, Wayne Gardner showing off his merchandise and uh, things along those lines. But also while you're there on the social medias, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram or on Twitter as well, and subscribe on all the good channels where you can find podcasts spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. we're everywhere just maybe not on like kiss fm or something like that i don't know if that's a thing or what's the big station in brisbane matt do you have triple m there or yeah, yeah all the usual yeah one of those have you ever thought like one day like you know slow slow day at work that you might just uh stream an episode of asa over the police radio just uh, you know? <laughs> mate i listen to podcasts while i'm cruising around helps the time a lot of the time it's in and out so you got to keep stopping it and all that but makes a day go a little quicker yeah i'd be down i'd like to see like a royal commission into how some crime went on missing because every single cop in brisbane was <laughs> joining wayne gardner's interview on asa so you know there's that but <laughs> such a good interview i really was. i mean that's that's why i love doing a show with you ben i mean i mean we've done so many great interviews but just i mean wayne gardner he's a, he's a big household name in australia and around the world and I still can't believe, yeah, we got him on to to speak Celebrity Survivor, and it's a, I love that's why I love doing the show, mate. You just never know who you're going to be chatting to and what stories you're going to hear. Well, on that note, uh, there's plenty more of those stories and everything that you're going to be able to hear uh, over the coming weeks as we continue Celebrity Survivor. We're basically now at the halfway point, moving into the recap next week, so uh, still lots more to come. And we always appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens. Thanks once again to Wayne for joining us. I'm going to close this off by saying my name is Ben and I'm going to go party with Prince Albert in Monaco. (laughs) My name's Matt Dyson and I'm going to go stuff my pockets and steal Coke and chips and chocolate and whatever else is in the fridge. Bye.